Today, we have Dr. Sean J. Harris here with us, and he has experience or knowledge on things as far as generational wealth, financial literacy, business development and coaching, and developing kid entrepreneurs. A brief biography about him is that he is a former non-commissioned officer in the United States Air Force. He served in the Persian Gulf War. Dr. Harris has an extensive and diverse background in aerospace propulsion, law enforcement, and real estate. Dr. Harris and his wife owns an aviation company, a capital investment firm, two real estate companies, as well as a home health care company. Dr. Harris is a 33-time author. He also feels that it is important to create financial literacy and to create a firm foundation for business ownership at an early age. He is from the, or currently lives in the Atlanta, Georgia area. It is our honor to introduce Dr. Sean J. Harris, a 33-time best-selling author and CEO of multiple corporations to the Millionaire by Morning podcast. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir, man. That is an extensive list of accomplishments. <laughs> hey, definitely, I, definitely. I, I believe, um, or, or I guess you could tell me, was it a time I know that you have a book called From C Student to CEO? Are you talking about yourself in that book? That's me. I was uh, definitely a C student, man. Um, you know, I just wanted to see my way out, never to return. You know, we always taught go to school, get good grades, uh, go get a good job, live happily ever after. And I, I realized at a young age that that paradigm wasn't going to work for most people at that time. I, I just didn't see it working. And um you know, I, I was a C student and I remember specifically I had a, a high school guidance counselor who told me, based on your grades, Sean, the most you'd amount to is a warehouse worker. Wow. Now, I knew that wasn't the recipe for my life or whatever. So um, that that was the, the the initial concept of that book, just to show the journey that I took from being a C student, going beyond what the guidance counselor told me, what the school system put you in this. Uh, indoctrinate thought process of what you're supposed to do and based on your grades. Yeah, because uh, one thing I found out, man, you know, in school, our report card is our report card, our grade is our report card. But once we get out here in the real world, your financial statement becomes your report card. Definitely. Um, I I watch a Netflix show. Um, can't think of the name of it right now, but just a few years ago, I heard a statement that was so profound. And it said that um, money is the measurement of man, yep. which when people say money don't make you happy, you know, when when <laughs> um, when people are looking at money as, you know, money don't grow on trees and all of these cliches about money. At the yeah. end of the day, your knowledge and 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 what you do and can earn from it is the measure of how much you've been taught in this life. Exactly. You know? Um, so with that being, <laughs> with that being said, the, what do you think the psychology or, or how, how can people change their psychology of how they think about money? That, that, that's an important thing. Cause that's one of the first questions I ask everybody is who taught you about money? And right. it makes a person have to stop and think, well, geez, how did I learn about money? Because like you said, people say, uh, close that door. You're letting out all the good heat. Uh, all those different colloquialisms that talks about money being a shortage. If you ever flew on an airplane, you'll notice going from, especially if you're going overseas, but just going from here to California. When you just look out the window and just travel for hours and look out there and see there's nothing but trees and, and desert land and just dry land, that should let you know that there's a, an abundance of everything. There's never a scarcity. Because, you know, when people stop and look and it's like, I ask people, have you ever considered taking the amount that you make a year and making that in a month, in a week, in a day, in an hour? Because whatever it is you make, there is someone who makes that in an hour or less. But we have to make that mental paradigm shift to be able to see that. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm a country boy. 
the little red rubber band that used to come on the collard greens. Right. When you stretch that bag, where you can stretch that thing all the way across the room almost. Sure but when can. you let it go, it shrinks back to, to an expanded dimension. It never goes back to its original dimension. It's always stretched. So the same thing with our mind. Once you stretch your mind, it can never go back. So that's why exposure is everything. You have to expose people to understanding that what you consider a lot of money is relative. Definitely. It it definitely is. And um, that what you just explained is my entire reason for calling um, basically everything I do. I have a brand about it. I have, you know, um, I'm writing a book about it. I'm doing interviews about it. Podcasts, Millionaire by Morning. And um, the reason is because we wake up to so many things. Um, but mostly we wake up to blessings. We wake up to a new day. Uh, we expect those things. We're on automatic. It's just automation. And most people are waking up going to a job, right? That they hate or that they're making a minimal amount of income at. But here's the thing about that. They asked for that job. Right. They manifested that job, right? So why couldn't they manifest a job that will pay them a million dollars. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, you know, that puts people in this situation what I call the 40-40-40 plan. So many people subscribe to that program. That's where you work 40 hours a week for 40 years to retire on 40% of what you already can live on in the first place. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's moving to the 50-50-50 plan as we speak because people are working even longer. Yeah. And they get on this program where it's like, man, when I retire, I'm going to. Hey, man, I'm going to be able to travel. Listen, when you travel at 50 and 60 years old, it's not the same as traveling in your 20s and your 30s. Not at all. You're not going to be parasailing and bungee jumping and all this adventuresome stuff in your 50s and 60s when we could in our 20s and 30s. Right. So it's like you work a whole lifetime just to, you know, they say the life expectancy after you retire is like 11 years. It's like, what was all that about? You work yeah. all these years, all this time just to try to enjoy 11 years of the decline of your life. You know what I'm saying? You want to be Definitely. 11 years. And I'm starting to understand why that's even a thing. It's, it's, you know, over the, like you say, 40, 40, 40, you basically just became automatic. You're a robot. So mm -hmm. your, your body is just looking at it as, okay, we're not getting up going to work today. You know, that's what I was used to brushing my teeth, <laughs> taking a shower, <laughs> Doing eight hours, 10 hours, coming home. So it's a decline, like you say, from that point when you stop doing that, you know, I don't, I guess people think they're going to live a whole different life, you know, but you're, you're, you really automated at that point. Right, right. I'm reading a book called uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I don't know if you've read it. It's, oh man, it's by Dr. Joe Dispen Dispenza. And it's an awful book. It's a it's an awesome book, and it really touches on everything that we just mentioned, you know. And as far as breaking the habit of, um, as far as breaking the habit of your mindset, gotcha. because we all have God given talents, right? You can go you can go out here and sell a few bottles of water, you know, if you're okay. you you know, or or knit or whatever it is. Um, but you teach kid entrepreneurs and you say that kids' minds are a blank slate. Can you mm -hmm. expand on that a little? Yeah, you know, I was getting the analogy of, you know, a kid's mind is a kid forms his self-image between the ages of three and five. So we got to look at little kids like uh, an empty canvas. Now, whatever we do and say to that kid is a swipe of a brush on that canvas. Whether we say derogatory things, you know, you're not going to amount to anything. You're just a C student. The most student amount to is warehouse worker. You're just like your daddy. You're just like your mom or whatever. So if these negative connotations get out, they're still swipes. Everything we do and say is a swipe. But at the same time, if we say, hey, man, you're a winner. You're so smart. You're brilliant. You're beautiful. You're handsome. We, we're putting these seeds because seeds, whatever you grow, is going to grow. If you plant an apple seed, it's going to grow in time. But think about it. When have you ever had to plant weeds? You never had to plant weeds, but they will grow at an at a exorbitant rate well beyond the apple seed. And the goal is, is to strangle 
the fruitful plants. So with kids, we have to put that image in them. So by the time they're three to five years old, they have a strong self-image. You and I, we probably came up kind of the same where you would hear people always say, children are to be seen and not heard. I think that's the worst thing you can do to a child. Because if you treat kids like kids, you're going to get kid-like behavior. Mm -hmm. If you treat kids like adults, you'll get adult-like behavior while still maintaining the kid. Mm. So my daughter, she's 12. My son is 11. I, I, we take them places. I take them to chamber of commerce meetings. I take them to regular business meetings. I've been doing that since they came out the womb. So yeah. all they understand is business and how to conduct with adults. They understand that, hey, this is my senior. I always show respect, reverence, come in when I come in in a conversation, but not to bud their way in. But we don't exclude them from conversations so they can be in the note. Because as soon as a kid can speak, a, a kid can learn. Yep. You know, these little kids, they know the songs to all the videos. They know every little dance out of here. Well, they should be able to tell me what a dividend is. They should be able to tell yep. me what a ROI is, what a rate of return is. This is stuff that they can know. So when people look at Tara and I and they're like, man, your kids are so sharp. Yeah, maybe. But shouldn't your kids be the same way? If, if they all go to kindergarten and learn the ABCs at the same time. Well, if I would have taught your kid about finance at the same age I taught mine, they'd know it just as well. So it doesn't make mine anything more special. You, have, you you definitely have a point there. I've I've heard a lot of people say that school actually dumb kids down more so than advance them. And um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I've been <laughs> I've also been told that the amount of penitentiaries that are built is based on like fifth grade test scores exactly so that 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 kind of give you a picture of what you're facing out there because mm -hmm. now the uh warehouse workers are probably doing five to ten years you know and it's it's a it's a sad um it's a sad situation when we could have went a different direction exactly yeah exactly. i remember when my son uh he asked um why does it take all day to go to school? He said, it doesn't take that long to learn. Anything. That's why we live homeschool. And it's like, when you think about this, you are expected to know six subjects and excel and get an A in every class is what you were expected. But how come your math teacher only specialized in math? Your math teacher didn't teach all six subjects. Right. But you're expected. And what that does, my daughter always says, dad, that just make bots. It's like you said earlier, just make you a robot. And the school system is designed to produce workers. Yeah. Not independent free thinkers. Because right. if you ever notice in your elementary school, your walls were yellow, beige, something of that color. Yep. Colors do a lot to the psyche and the speed of the brain. Right. And how it performs. So it's made to come down. They don't have extravagant colors, bright colors that make us energized. It makes us just want to sit in class and learn the lesson in a boring, monotone manner. So if you ever go to like a, a charter school or a high Excel school, you'll notice they have different colorings throughout the school. It's to make the brain work differently. You're, you, you're not supposed to have independent thinking abilities. Not wow. in masses. That is crazy, man. Um, so you were a law enforcement officer. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, here's my thing that that's kind of um, reality-based. You know, it's the people that were the C students, the people that acted out in class, um, you know, that didn't go to school, those are the ones that end up kind of with an entrepreneurial mindset. And, and it's... Um, they are being held back in school. Yeah. Like it's it's amazing because if if you look back on it, I use myself for example. The stuff I used to get in 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 trouble for in school was stuff that I I knew about. I wasn't really big in in into school. I wasn't at all, mm -hmm. except for like you said. They said get on this path, or you're not going to be anything in life. If right. you don't throw a football or uh, basketball, exactly. Then, you need to start trying to figure, you know, your warehouse job out, <laughs> you know, 
But when I look back on it, I, I, I paid people to do my work, which I probably wasn't there. I was out doing something else. <laughs> right. I, I gambled a lot and, mm-hmm. and I sold drugs. That's what I did coming up. That's what I knew. Mm-hmm. But if I, if, now that I think about it, had I would have been led in the right direction, that's has CEO all over it, you know, all day, all day. And it's just, I, 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 you know, I outsource my work now. It's the same thing. Gambling is the stock market pretty much, yeah. you know, so sale. I love sales. I've done sales my entire life. So mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. It's the reins that's, that's holding you back. You can't be, you know, in other societies, it's called being a maverick mm-hmm. over here. It's called being a thug. Exactly. You know? So um, where we're at right now, as far as society is concerned, is, is it gives kids more options. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really proud. I mean, I'm, I'm glad for that, that, you know, they really can go online and sell whatever they want to sell that, you know, right. their product or services or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think we're headed in the right direction as far as that's concerned. Right. And, you know, with that, um, I think it was uh, Elon Musk who said the street pharmacist is the best CEO out here. Yeah, it was. Elon. It, it, it's, it's a thinking game. You know, you, 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 you understand supply and demand. You understand marketing. You understand using other people's human capital. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, same thing. Like you said, gambling, all that is a stock market today. Legalized. Yeah. You know, uh, one, one of my one of my business mentors, Dr. Dennis Kim, uh, Kimbrough, he told me, he said, A students oftentimes teach B students who oftentimes work for C students. And the D student, that's what they name buildings after. Yeah. And I found that to be true throughout life. That's I, definite. I a whole bunch of people as a C student. That's a definite, man. Isn't that something? That's the C student is the free thinker. Yeah. So the book that you have, how many pages is it? I think that was like 114 pages, if I'm correct. Okay. Um, so here's what I like to ask, because I'm in that boat and sometimes find it overwhelming. How do you wear so many hats at the same time? Uh, I, I think it's just a gifting. You know, a lot of times we always were told, fi- uh, find your passion and go after it and, and you'll succeed. And that's not quite true. My passion is fishing. I like to fish. But fishing at my level <laughs> doesn't make any money. Right. So that, that, that's, not, that's not what we teach our kids. You don't go after your passion. You go after your gifting. Well, Sean, what is, how, how do I know what my gifting is? What is my gifting? Your gifting is what you do incredibly well that's so easy to you, but hard for most. Mm. That's, that's your gift. Now you got to go monetize. Right. Once you monetize that gift, now I can go do deep sea fishing trips whenever I want to. Right. To go after my passion. But you let your gift gift you away to the passion. Got you. Okay. And that leads into another question. As far as the pillars, I think you mentioned earlier the pillars of money or the pillars of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, di- three yeah, different the, the three laws of um, money, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, with that, uh, it, it's three laws. And here's the deal: when you live by laws, you have order. It, it, it prevents anarchy, chaos. So the same thing with I look at money as a relationship. If you mistreat or abuse your mate. They're going to find their, their way away from you. Right. But at the same time, if you treat them right, you do right by them, they're going to always attract and find their way back to you. So the same thing with money. When you abuse money, you don't handle it right. You know, it's one thing. I don't allow people to hand me wadded up cash. And I don't hand wadded up cash. And yeah, I still use cash in a cashless society. But the thing is, you got to treat it right. I put my bills in, in order. They face the same direction. Lower denomination at the top, higher denomination at the back. Fold it, put them in money clip. No dog ears. That's the way I respect money. And money keeps finding its way to me and my family because we respect it. That's one of the laws. One of the law, the first law of money is being able to make money. Now, when I say make money, that doesn't mean go get a job. Anybody can do that. What we always recommend is figure out how to have a high income skill set. What is a high income skill set? A high income skill set is when you can make at least $10,000 a month continuously. Well, Sean, I make $10,000 at my job. Mm, that's still not a high income skill set because you leave the job, so shall the money go. 
a high income skill set is something that can't be taken from you. It's transferable. You can go make money, but more importantly, you can make money on your own with it because it's a skill set, i.e. being an, empl- uh, an entrepreneur or a business owner. The second rule of making money is being able to hold on to money. You got to be able to hold on to it, but not hold on to it just like I'm just hoarding it. I'm going to put it under the mattress. There's a thing called economic bounce. One of my other mentors, Dr. Uh, Claude Anderson, he talks about economic bounce. An economic bounce is how long money stays in a specific community before it leaves the community. Unfortunately, in our community, the economic bounce is only four to six hours. So we get a paycheck, we get a stimulus check, any kind of time we get money, we just got to go spend it. Now, we don't own anything. Sean, I own my own lawn care business. I, I own my own. We don't own anything. And here's what I mean by that. We don't own hospitals. We don't own banks. We don't own school systems. That's ownership. Not just own a little business. We need to own massive things that make a big difference that can form a community that changes uh, a city, that changes states and nations. So that's what I mean when I say ownership. So our money goes straight out. We go buy some shoes. We go buy some hot wings. We go buy hair products. They're all in different ethnicities. See, so many ethnicities live on two different incomes. They live on 100% of their own and 90% of ours because our money goes out of its community so quick. So the Asian community, and not saying it's in stereotypical, it's just a fact. They dominate the, the, the hair industry. Uh, the hotel and gas station industry is dominated by the Arab community. Well, when we spend that money, they're like, hey, y'all bringing all your money here. We're living off y'all income. And 100% of ours, we can go do what we want to do and build other riches with that. So what we need to do is, uh, and let me finish walking you through that uh, economic bounce. The Caucasian uh, economic bounce is about four to six days before their money leaves the community. The Arab and Asian community economic bounce is between 12 and 15 days. The Jewish community, their economic bounce is 21 to 30 days before it leaves their community. So you got money continuously circulating that's when you build that community. So again, how can our community look at like you and I, how can we ever grow and dominate in any area if we're outsourcing that money so often? Yeah. And yeah. then the third rule, uh, third law of money is being able to grow that income. So let, let's, let's, let's go back. We have to first of all, make the money, preferably through a high income skill set. We have to be able to hold on to the money. And the third thing we got to do is we got to be able to grow the money. See, a lot of people say, well, Sean, should, should I be investing right now? Well, it depends. What, do you, what is your aim? How much money are you looking at investing? Well, I got like $100 to invest. No, you need to build up a war chest to start investing. Because if you invest $100 and you get a 10% return on investment, that's $10. That'll buy you a meal at Chick-fil-A, barely. But if you got $10,000, 10% of that, now we're looking at $1,000. Okay, now we're looking at, okay, that can help with, with, with uh, your mortgage or help paying an additional investment property. But now if you got $120,000 investment, see the difference? Now we're talking about a, a, a large sum of money. Now we're talking about making $12,000, which exceeds your high income skill set. Now you can take that money and start doing other things to start buying other asset producing income. Right. right. See, so you can buy a car, say, hey man, I wanna buy a Tesla, sports car, whatever. You go to your bank account, pay the money. But why not use that money to get an asset producing income, i.e. investment property or some type of tool that's going to create income that pays for the car? Now, once the car is paid for, guess what? You still have the, uh, the income producing asset that can continue buying other things and other business. So that's why it's important to understand them three rules and how they all work hand in hand with each other. Got you. Um, I think the last part I've heard put a, um, another way is um, make your money work for you. Exactly. They like your little soldiers. They go out here and work for you. Exactly. And I like that analogy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so the, the real estate businesses, the aviation business, these are business businesses that you um operate or are they just pretty much automated self-sustaining type of businesses uh i operate them uh we do everything we do is we build business systems there's a difference between running a business and being the 
I got to be there. To, to, you remember the old commercial, it's time to make the donuts? Yeah. What we do is we use other people's human capital to let them make the donuts. So everything you do, you want to be system driven. Um, I think it was Carnegie, somebody who said, rather have 1% of 100 people's efforts rather than 100% of one man's efforts. So that's where you want to build your, your, your businesses. You want to always put them where the system driven to where you don't have to be there and it's still going to operate. Awesome. Because I'm working on that and you can sell that system. Am I correct? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of times we, uh, we, we build businesses and it's like, Oh man, I want to build this business. I'm going to pass it down to my great grandchildren, the great, great, great. No, you have to have an exit strategy. Whether buying real estate or building businesses, you have to have an exit strategy. Your goal is not to actually run that business forever. All of my businesses aren't designed to pass down to the kids. They're designed to build up so that the marketplace looks at it and says, hey, you've invested X amount of business. The evaluation of this company is now here. I want to buy it up here. So you may build a business, build it to a million dollar equity, and then sell it for 10 million. Yep. So that, that should be your goal is how can I sell this business? Because that in and of itself is a business. It's building businesses to sell them and broker them. Yep. Broker them and sell them. That, I, man, that's, um, that's something that you don't hear about. Right. Honestly, like people think that they're going to start a business and it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And the, the exit is the goal. Like that's real retirement money. Exactly. You know? And- um, at some point you don't want to work in your business, you know, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. So you know, I always tell everybody you work on your business well, you work in your business to work on your business, to work your way out of your business. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's an awesome way to put it. I never heard it put like that. Um, so you have the systems in place and then you do, motivational do you do motivational speaking as well or is that just something to keep an eye on what you're doing more so uh, educational speaking uh, i just teach wealth creation generational wealth building uh wealth principles um that is always a skill set that anybody can do really i always tell people when i consult with people what if we go back to the uh, your skill or your gifting what are you incredibly good at what have you been doing for the last 10 years 15 20 years as a profession Whatever it is, you're good at it because it's always said once you study something for 10,000 hours, it makes you an expert. Right. So you can be a platform speaker on that subject. And every profession has um, like conferences. Well, Sean, I'm just a plumber. Dude, there's plumber conventions and you can go in and speak as a consultant. You know, whatever it is you did, let's say, Sean, I worked for the government for 20 years doing accounting. Well, guess what? You can retire from that and then come back as a consultant and they'll pay you the same, if not more money at only a fraction of the time that you now work. Yeah. And speaking is so lucrative. <laughs> Events and speaking and all of that. Anything with a fan base is it's it's lucrative. Exactly. Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to throw you a little freebie here. You ready for it? I'm, I'm ready. ready to bless you the speakers today. When, you, when, when I do a speaking event, I get paid seven to 10 different ways from that one event. So I come to your town, I do a speaking event on wealth creation. I'm getting an honorary for coming to speak. The event is recorded. So the video becomes another product. It's also recorded, which becomes an audio that's recorded. I can also do the white sheets of transcripts or white papers. That's another product. I can also take that and turn it into a book. I can also turn it into an ebook. I can also turn it into a course. I can also turn it into a webinar. So you see, I, I spoke one time at your event, but look at all the different ways that I made money from it. It's kind of like an apple. A regular a worker would take, or an entrepreneur, a business owner would just take that apple and sell the apple. An entrepreneur would say, wait a minute. I can sell apples, I can sell apple slices, I can sell apple pies, I can sell apple fritters, I can sell apple sauce, I can sell apple uh, freeze pops. So you see all the different tools that came from that one apple. Definitely. So that, that that's the goal. I hear you, man. It's, it's, 
entrepreneurs think that way. It, it's really a, a, a special group that even think that way because, you know, other people like the rest of society, family, friends, all of that, they'll look at you and say, you're doing too much with that apple. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know, won't you just eat it? You got an apple. So, and watch this, and watch this. The entrepreneur would say, wait a minute, you look at that as discarded trash over there. There's seeds still over there. I'm going to replant the seeds and we're going to do this grow thing. Those. You're right, man. You're right. <laughs> and um, I think that's, and any listener that's out there right now and just getting started with entrepreneurship, that is definitely a uh, hump in the road is the fact that you are in a class of your own. Um, and, and that hump of people not believing in you is just part of the process. Exactly. Yeah. So, but, but stay the, stay the, the, uh, stay the course, just stay the course. Uh, do you do much social media? I do. Um, one thing with that, I, uh, I'm on basic platforms, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, one of the key things is, is you got to stay top of mind what they call Toma, top of mind awareness. So people look at you for consistency. You know, you never know who's watching you. It could be another investor. It could be somebody saying, hey, look, I notice you post every single day, multiple times a day. Your message stays the same. You can backdate my social media forever. You won't see, oh, Sean was selling coffee over here. Then he's over here selling uh, lashes. And then over here, he was offering lawn service. My message is the same. It hasn't changed in 23 years. Generational wealth. It doesn't change. Sean, what were you teaching 15 years ago? Generational wealth. What do you think you'll be teaching five years ago? Generational wealth. It ain't changing. It's who I am. Right. One thing I always tell people, make a post on your social media platform and say, what am I known by to you? And see what people respond back to you. And that tells you if you're focused or not. Gotcha. Based on how people see you. People should so, see you as the whatever guy. That's that's the car salesman. He's the, the real estate professional. They should know clearly what your message is. What the message is. Okay. So with the okay, generational wealth, you have financial literacy, and um it is um system, systematic. So with that, the things that you include in that is on the road, it's all under one umbrella, which is generational wealth. Right. Right. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about multiple streams of income. Um, I like to say multiple pipelines, because if you think about a stream at any time, a stream can change course or it can actually dry out. So think about it. If you if you have water pressure coming to your house, do you want it to come in trickling in the stream or do you want it coming gushing at a high PSI that you currently have through the pipeline? So that's where you uh, want to build your money, your, your pipelines. But here's the thing, too. With multiple streams, as people call it, multiple sources of income, like a tree. A tree has one tap root that goes down about eight to 12 feet, depending on the height of the tree. The other roots are really shallow. So if you've ever seen a tree fall over in a storm, it topples. You're like, man, that big oak tree, that's all the root system had. Yeah. But you notice the tree falls over. That one root still stays in the ground. That's when it goes down and secure the water for the nourishment of the tree. So the same thing when building your income, you got to have that one tap root, that one root. This is how I make money right here. Then you take that money and you build the second, third, fourth uh, root system, which are a little bit more shallower. But they also keep the tree balanced and keep it secure in the ground. That one tap root still needs support. It just doesn't need deep, deep, deep support. Right. So with that, when people have multiple income, again, you can't be out here saying, Hey, I sell hot wings over here. Uh, I do this over here. I'm a notary over here. Oh, I do this over here. Everything has to still fall within that umbrella. So everything we do, all of our companies fall within the same umbrella. We have an aviation company. We have real estate company. We have publishing company. We have a security firm. We have a corporate uh, um, commercial cleaning company. See, all these companies fall under each other because this company does this for this company. This company is a client of this company. We're in the process right now of looking at getting our dual citizenship, moving to a, a different company, a country, part time. Guess what? The aviation company travels us there. Yeah. And we will then lease the jet for this company 
under this company, which pays for everything there. We're on a home healthcare company. The home healthcare company, as we travel, we use the aviation company, the transport is there. You see what I'm saying? Awesome. Everything plays hand in hand. Awesome. Um, Do you do any nonprofits? Do you have absolutely not? I don't. Uh, One thing in our community, I, I see so many people, the first thing they say is, I got this nonprofit. Dude, have you made a profit yet? <laughs> nonprofits are for profited businesses on the back end. Nonprofits are excellent when you know how to use them and you use them the right way. It's kind of like sports. If I tell you go out, button hook to the right, but you turn to the left, guess what? You missed the ball because the ball is already in the air while you were running. Right. So if you can't catch the ball, you can't score. If you can't score, you can never win a game. And the reason why you didn't catch the ball is because you didn't know the rules of the game. So it's all about knowing the rules of the game in order to win the game. So again, with the nonprofit, unfortunately in our community, that's the first thing I hear everybody say, I got this nonprofit, I got this nonprofit. Listen to what you're saying. I have a nonprofit, which means nonprofit. So all the work and effort that you have to put into a nonprofit just to hopefully cut through this way, cut through that way, to get a little profit to come into the company, that same work ethic, if not less, if you just build a for-profit business, you got the money. Now you can do the cool things that you can now go and get a nonprofit that you can get a bigger benefit and return on your investment because you have a for-profit business. See, nonprofits work hand-in-hand with for-profit businesses. Unfortunately, so many people just do it backwards and get the nonprofit business and it struggles for year after year after year after year after year. Wow. Wow, man. that I've never heard it put like that. Uh, profit first before the nonprofit. It's not. It's like when you're on an airplane. What does the flight attendant tell you? In the unlikely event of a water landing or a crash, when the mask come down, who put their mask on first? You supposed to put yours on first. Then you help your kid. Yeah. So it's it's the same uh, analogy. We got to we got to put on that for profit mask. Ooh, I got cash flow coming in. I'm breathing. I'm alive. I don't have to worry about losing the house. I don't have to worry about losing the car. Now I can function in my nonprofit and do things in the community or whatever it is that you're doing with nonprofit. But see, instead of going through a nonprofit, having to jump through all these hoops, do all this paperwork, just go out and make a profit. And if I want to go buy out the Walmart for Christmas and buy all the bikes in there for the kids for Christmas, I can do that. Yeah. I don't want to go through all this paper stuff. I go through the green paper and say, hey, let's feed these kids. Let's put this program together to benefit them. And then that makes that kid be like, I want to do what you do. Because as you said earlier, in our community, especially our boys, we always make them think that the only way you're going to meet success is with a ball or a microphone in your hand. You sit there and spit all you want to on the microphone. Them boys don't make no money. But that same microphone, when used on the stage, adding value to people the way I do, you can command a high honorarium. You can make $10,000, dollars $30,000 in 45 minutes from sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. See, that's what we have to teach kids. It's all about exposure. What you're exposed to is what's going to resonate. You know, I I made a post uh, about a month ago. My wife and I were on elephant backs in the ocean in Thailand. That was my office for today. People say, well, Sean, do you go on vacations? No. We just live our lives in different parts of the world. I don't. Vacation means to vacate your situation. We're not vacating nothing. I just go over there and operate my business from a beach. And again, that's because it's system driven. So this is the exposure and the stretching of the rubber band, the stretching of the minds that we have to put into our kids to let them know, hey, look, you don't have to go work a nine to five. If you want to, that's great. But why not make what you were told by a company your value is and you get paid. See, if you can pay $80,000 a year, you've just... You were bad with your negotiation. You negotiated with your company and said, I'll take the 80000 Just pay it to me over 52 weeks. When if you would have negotiated better, you could have just said, hey, look, I want to negotiate that $80,000 in 24 hours or in one week. Get paid the same amount of money. It's just that we did a poor job of negotiating. <laughs> oh, most people have made a million dollars before. Most people made a million dollars before. Yeah. It's just that you made it over the course of 20 years. Yeah. Just negotiate. Hey, I need to make this in a year. Yeah. I have a podcast about that. It's it's you've made. A matter of fact, I broke down the numbers 
And the numbers seem so doable, so easy. You know, if if you to put your mind to it, if you to like you say, put a time frame to it, mm-hmm. um, you you could do it with the side hustle. You know, even if you had a nine to five, if you put it into the proper place and negotiate it, or you know, um, even negotiating the price with the customer. You know, this is how much you want for your product or your service, um, and this is how many of them you're going to sell. You know, I have a one of my one of the things I do too is um, I license products. That's another thing too. Is business owners, entrepreneurs, gotta get good good at licensing your products and services. See, I did sweat sweat equity. I've written thirty three books. I've done the work, but see, I some of my books I license out. So what it is, I change the cover and it's your name. So now I've given you the license rights and you sell this book now saying that you wrote the book basically. So what this does is when I talk about having a high income skill set, $10,000 or above in less than 30 days. So if you license my product, let's say I give you one of my books as an ebook for 150 bucks, you go out and sell this book, 10 books a day for $10. You're talking about $9,000 at the end of the month. I'm going to assume you make at least $1,000 on your job a month, if not a week or bi-weekly. But let's just be very conservative. You make at least $1,000 on your own, but you went and took this book while you're at work. Hey, buy this ebook for me. Hey, send this to your aunt and uncle. Just buy this ebook. So they buy an ebook for 10 bucks, or for $5. 10 people for $5 a day, every day in the month. That's $9,000 on top of whatever you do in your own profession. That just thrusted you into the high income skill set. Yeah, that just launched you into one hundred twenty, hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, just like that, by just taking a product or service that somebody else already mastered, already baked the cake for you. All you gotta do is go serve it. Yeah, that's that's. You would think people would jump on that. <laughs> you would think. So, is <laughs> is you know the whole affiliate thing, um, is is just so much stuff you could sell out here, you know. Um, and you're on face you're on Facebook all day anyway, you're on Instagram all day anyway. Just- Five thousand friends. Right. Send them <laughs> links, get in them DMs. Yeah. Um, so you are in Atlanta currently? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know how it is because I don't live there, but from the outside looking in, it looks as and from what you always hear. Atlanta has a really booming uh, black business environment mm-hmm. and um, everyone up there, I, I guess I can't say everyone, but people work together and utilize each other's businesses instead of going outsourced to, you know, just a well-known business or whatever the case may be, they can utilize their uh, business needs with uh, another small business or a black owned small business. Is that the way that it is in Atlanta? It is. And different parts of the country is different, but pretty much anywhere you go. Here's a story I heard before. Guy said, hey, look, I'm new to this city. How are the people here? And the guy said, well, how are the people where you came from before? Oh, man, everybody's uptight. They were this, that. It's the same here. But then another guy said, hey, how's the people here? Man. How's people where you came from? Oh, man, it was great. Everybody's cooperative. Man, it was, it was awesome. Well, man, that's the way it is here, too. So it's whatever you bring to the environment. So a lot of people think all the money is made on the East Coast, New York, Atlanta, and California. But the bulk of the money is made in the middle. Again, when I was talking about flying that aircraft, you got to look out that window and be like, man, all these people I had access to. So in Atlanta, it can be the same no matter where you are. You you, you make it what it's going to be. Um you know, you're gonna just the same as anywhere. You're gonna have people that just don't want to see you succeed. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, in our community as a whole, we kind of have that problem sometimes. But what you have to realize too, most of your clients and customers will not be family and friends, and they won't be on your timeline. Most of your business that you will dominate your 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 wealth or your masses, it's gonna come from people you don't know. So don't get hung up on the people because they think about it. Your cousin, Ray Ray and Pookie and all the people we grew up with, they know you for who you are. Man, you don't know nothing about no money. Get out of here. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? 
you're not my client. You just about hung out with in the street back in the day. My client is the other guy that says, oh, Dr. Harris, can you teach me about wealth creation and building a business? Can you teach me how my kids can make six figures before they turn 10 years old? Yeah, I can show you that. So that's my client. You see what I'm saying? Definitely. So, no matter where you're, what, what part of the world you live in? I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth. Dallas. I was just in Texas uh, last week. I was in uh, Corpus Christi. Yes, but uh, with Dallas, dominate Dallas and Houston, y'all killing it out there. As far as the African American community being able to do business. So the whole thing is connections. And just like you and I are talking via the internet, man, you got to capitalize and leverage that. That's one of the biggest things we have to learn is the word leveraging and what it means, how to benefit leveraging. Think about this. You have a contract. Uh, one of my security companies. Let's say I had a contract that paid $75 an hour. Well, if I work at $75 an hour, but it's eight hours, it's all my human effort. 100% of one person. But if I go get three people who will give me eight hours and I pay them $25 an hour, I profit $50 an hour times eight hours times three different officers doing that. So when people say, man, there's only 24 hours in a day. No, it ain't. Not to me, it ain't. Right. Because if I hire 100 people to work eight hours, that's 800 hours of billable hours I just got today in my 28 hours. Compound, compounded. The eighth yeah. wonder of the world. Yeah, <laughs> no matter how you cut it, compounding, that will get you where you want to be. Exactly. It's, um, it's these, you know, it's really the words and the cliches and, and all of that that we've heard for years and years that if you pay attention to, Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's really the answer to everything, you know? Yes. yes. And that's, that's, um, we just gotta, you know, open our eyes and, and, and open our ears mm -hmm. to be a success out here. And I do believe I grew up in Fort Worth and I'm, I, I know that everyone pretty much that I grew up with, that I was around as far as the kids, mm -hmm. we had, General Motors, General Motors, General Dynamics, Mrs. Baird's, and the post office. And pretty much everyone I know growing up with wanted to work for one of those companies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At this moment in time, <laughs> half of them work for those companies. It's who they aspire to be, you know. Um, so in my mind, man, if if you can aspire. And and I don't know, reach out and touch it and see it, then you truly can be it. We've heard that if you can see it, you can be it. Exactly. It, it's it's so. I mean that those words have so much power, you know, and so much truth in them. Definitely. And it goes back to the canvas we talked about. Everybody growing up in particular industries or areas, uh, Detroit, Chicago, certain thing, you were painted that white brush when you grew up. Work for the post office. Hey, go work for the, the big plant, the GM plant. And those were the swipes that we were getting. Yep. Yep. I used to read this meme. You ever seen the movie The Matrix? Mm -hmm. Kenny Reeves. Um, the first guy I started following on, on um, social media that spoke about how you can actually change your way of thinking, change your mindset. Because I do think as a community, that's first and foremost what has to be changed. I've seen people make money hands over fist, but like you say, it, it's not staying around long, you know. Exactly. So the uh, I start seeing these people saying and wearing shirts and memes that say the Matrix is a true movie. Yes. The <laughs> so if you, I went back and watched it, and I was like, wow! If you really watch this with context in mind. You're like, wow, you know? So, yeah, man, I think we're, we are a blank slate, and you can start with that, and you can build on to it. Yeah. You can build on to it. So, yeah, man, um, I'm going to go ahead and close it out because I would definitely like to follow up with you a little, um, you know, further down the road. Um, but as far as 
um, fishing, do you have any tips? Because the last time I went, I didn't catch anything. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, uh, when we were in Texas, in Corpus Christi, there was a guy fishing. And I just started teaching my son how to fish last week. And uh, he caught his first fish. He caught a little bass. So he, he's been running around talking about, I'm the bass master. I was like, all right, you the man. <laughs> so when we was at Corpus Christi, I saw a guy fishing. And he was just pulling him up, pulling up trout like every two minutes. I said, hey, would you mind if my son threw out a line real quick? He said, oh, go ahead. He threw it out, and next thing you know, I was like, man, like six, eight minutes went by. I was like, then that happened. Next thing you know, I was about to tell him, I said, okay, Ken, let's go ahead and get ready to go. And right when I was about to tell him, let's go, the end went down hard. He started reeling, started reeling. I said, keep reeling. So I had to teach him, I said, you got to reel and pull back at the same time, reel and pull back. So he ended up landing a stingray. And if you ever caught a stingray before, them things got some power. Oh, wow. So he was able to pull it up out the water on his own. It's probably about yay big, but that thing, it, it, was, it was heavy. When I lifted it up, it was heavy. But uh, with that, we, we use shrimp. Shrimp has always been my secret. Shrimp? Yeah, pretty much everything. Store about shrimp? Or? about shrimp. Oh, uh, wow. That, that's one of the secrets. Two, uh, two hooks. Instead of using one hook, use two hooks. Two hooks. Even if, you, even if you fish in a lake, use two hooks. Uh, if you fish the ocean, then you dropping like seven, eight line uh, hooks on a line. Right. Uh, but that always works. If you want to catch catfish, um, get bird seed, a little dough mix, mix it all up, um, and it forms a little ball. And then you use a little Cairo syrup or that that uh, pink syrup. I can't remember what you call it, but you make it real nice and thick and make it into little bitty little balls, like how you would like a hush puppy. Right. Real right. good. Cake it on the uh, on the hook. Nice and neat. You catch uh, catfish all day long with those. Catfish. We big on catfish in Texas. Yeah, catfish like sweet stuff. Really? Yep. Oh wow! And stinky stuff. Stuff to yep. stink. Stink stuff and sweet stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, I moved to Florida a few years ago, and uh, it was crazy because I got out to Florida and start trying to catfish like I would here. Number yeah. one. You have to fish off of a barge. I, I was never used to fishing off of a, a barge. I'm, I was used to just a bank, you know, gotcha. but they have alligators down there. So you have to be on something, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and man, I didn't catch, I didn't catch nothing, but come to find out there, they fished for something totally different than we did in Texas. Ah. And uh, they would charm. And throw chum out there. I forgot what the name of the fish they were after. Uh -huh. But um, yeah, that's what the locals had to tell me. Like catfish. Interesting. Fish catfish. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever so, gone shark sharking before? No, no, I haven't. I that's it. fun. That, that'll give you a workout. I caught really? my first shark down in Savannah. Uh, I pulled him up. I saw him and everything. He broke line. He's about a seven footer. And I fought with him for about 45 minutes. Oh, okay. You got to be strong on that. Yeah. So oh, he cool. uh sharks are smart. Sharks know we're in a boat. Sharks know to go under the boat, and that's how they cut the line. Yeah. So yeah. you gotta know how to get around that boat real quick, get the line around and reel back up, but sharks know to go back and forth under the boat to cut You have line. to be you gotta work with you gotta work oh, yeah. with the boat and the you, shark. You, you gotta work. <laughs> you, you you gonna need to eat a big dinner that night. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm gonna have to check that out. That sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. And um yeah, I'm. A, I will be closely following you. Uh, probably end up asking you for some uh, referrals. I know your son okay. goes on different shows. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe we'll send you an invite, and he can come be a guest on our show. Man, love to have. Sounds you. good. I have a. I have a son. His name is. I'm gonna tell you this story, then I'll be done. Okay. I don't know if you're a spiritual, <clears throat> a spiritual person, mm -hmm. and um, but I have a son. His name is Sean as well. Really. He spells okay. it S E A. I spelled spelled it S E A N. All right, the right way. That's right. So <laughs> let me tell you real quick where it came from. Okay. I'm a real big hip hop fan. I think hip hop changed the the structure of uh, money in 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 black communities. I think that it was mm -hmm. it put us on the path to be able to make money. You know. Mm -hmm. um, so his he's named after Sean. Combs, Sean okay. Puffy Combs, uh -huh. and a play on that with Sean Jay Z Carter. 
So I do believe in like names and spiritual and stuff like that. So these mm -hmm. guys were the epitome of success in the hip hop industry. So boom, that's where I got his name from. Awesome. Ain't that something? Yeah, man. <laughs> so I know Sean's be on it. He is 14 now. 14. Oh. Yes. So he's a very entrepreneur minded man. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure your son can teach him something. So mm -hmm. yeah, I love the interviewing. Here's a freebie real quick before we go. Um, set him up an LLC. Okay. Um, you can use his regular name, um, his middle name, whatever you want to do, set him up an LLC. You can just set up as a capital investment firm, whatever. Um, now, what that does is going to start the time clock. You're going to start seasoning that LLC. Also apply for a Dunn's number. Okay. Okay. Get an EIN number, Dunn's number, set him up a bank account, a business bank account with that entity. Um, if your credit is good to great, put them on as an authorized user. What this does is it builds up their credit. Whatever your credit is, it's gonna mirror them. So now when they're 16 years old, they can have stellar credit, have a seasoned LLC that now can get business credit because you have Dunn's number that's been added up over the years. Um, so that good credit, it, it bounces back and forth. So now when he's 16 years old, 18 years old, you're talking about 800, 850 credit score. He has ultimate power at this point. You get to call the shots. You don't use your own money, OPM, other people's money. So this puts him in a position where he can now, at 18 years old, go out and buy a quadplex, live in one, rent out the other four, the other three. Those other three pays for the whole building plus him to live free, and he still has cash flow with great credit. So that's how you set them up for huge success because having great credit is a huge leverage to where you don't have to use other people's money. But more importantly, he has the LLC. And now everything he does, he doing the LLC, which keeps him out of the IRS scope because he's running everything through his business. Right. <laughs> because as an employee, you make $100,000 a year. As an, uh, a business owner, you make $100,000 a year. Whereas the employee, you're taxed up front. So from January the 1st to May the 1st, everything you work for, you work for free because you start getting paid after May the 1st and you're taxed on the whole 100%. As a business owner, you make $100,000. He needs to buy uh, some equipment, a new vehicle for his LLC, for his company, whatever. End of the year, he only has $25,000 left over. He's only taxed on that amount because as a business owner, entrepreneur, you're taxed what's left over. So you both made $100,000, but it's who keeps the most money. So all of that expense that he used was absorbed. And on top of it, he's using his LLC. Wow. Power. It's all about knowing rules to the game. Rules to the game. That's power. That was a gem. That was a gem that just was dropped. Definitely set him up. Get that LLC like immediately. Immediately. That's, that's his Christmas present. It is. <laughs> Yeah. He'll understand it later. If you don't understand it now, he'll definitely understand it later. Uh, when our kids turn 16, they get the keys to real estate. They don't get keys to cars. Real man, estate. that's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about. I really enjoyed having you on, man. I learned man, a lot. I appreciate, appreciate it. I hope I added value to your listeners, to you. And uh, that, that's the whole thing. When, when you walk away from somebody, you got to ask yourself, did you leave them with value? Are they better off have spoken to you? than before. I would definitely remember that. I will instill that. And um, that will be the motto for my show moving on forward is for my listeners. I hope that I instill value with every guest that I have on. All right, man, you have a great night and uh, I'll, I'll see you soon. All right. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. All right. You too. Take care. Take care. If you are preparing to start on a project and you need professional assistance or to outsource the work, look no further than Fiverr.com. I have used this platform personally and professionally for more than 10 years and I approve. I'll leave my personal link in today's episode's notes.